John chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. John 6, beginning at verse 1. Let's read. After this, Yeshua crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing on the sick. So Yeshua went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Judahite festival, was near. Therefore, when Yeshua looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Then Yeshua said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Yeshua took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves, that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This really is the prophet who was to come into the world. Therefore, when Yeshua knew that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Yeshua had not yet come to them. Then a high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Yeshua walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board. And at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew there had been only one boat. They also knew that Yeshua had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Yeshua nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Yeshua. When they saw him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Yeshua answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the Almighty, the Father, has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of the Almighty, they asked. Yeshua replied, this is the work of the Almighty, that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Yeshua said to them, I assure you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the real bread from heaven. 
For the bread of the Almighty is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Yeshua told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Today, we live in a seeker-sensitive time when it comes to the church in America. We live in a time where churches, it seems, will do anything to make people feel comfortable. Whatever appeals to the natural man, whatever fills the void in the fleshly appetite of a person, that's where we want to gear our worship service towards. Generally, though, it's because for some reason pastors and churches have gotten to the point where they believe that the larger the crowd, the greater the progress. The more seats we can fill, the more visitor cards we can get people to fill out, the more people we can get to, quote-unquote, join the church, the better that we're doing. On top of that, somewhere down the line, people have begun to believe that preaching is about entertainment rather than about Bible study when it's the exact opposite. Preaching has also turned into psychiatry, self-help classes, and the focus has turned away from the glorification of the Almighty, and it has turned towards the glorification of man, the creature. Well, people don't really know how to handle or digest the Bible, though, many people think. So let's give them more music, less Bible teaching, and let's make sure that the teaching isn't too technical, And let's make sure we give them some rhymes to remember when they go home. And let's make sure to have plenty of programs to sign up for, for them. And let's make the church feel just like everything else in the world. Let's do the church like the world does the world, because that appeals to the natural fleshly man. Men who call themselves pastors have not followed the lead of Yeshua. They haven't given the people what they need because it is much easier to give people what they want. It is much easier to feed the carnal, natural man because that keeps him or her coming back. But it's all for the wrong reasons. You can come to Christ and it be for the wrong reason. Here in John chapter 6, Yeshua had just finished feeding thousands of people. Thousands of people, naturally. Barley, fish. And the crowd was astounded at this sign to be performed because it's not normal to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with five barley loaves and a couple of fish. That's not normal, obviously. That's a miracle. So they were fascinated by this. Yeshua had their attention. The next day, the people began searching for the Messiah. They searched for Yeshua. He had gone to the other side of the sea 
And the crowds eventually found him after they boarded some boats to go look for him. They were seeking for him. They were seeking for him. Mark that in your mind. He had the attention of the crowds. So what does he tell them? What does he say when he has their attention? Does he desire to start a new church? Does he look at everyone and say, look how much we're growing, our numbers are up, our church attendance is on fire? No, he doesn't say any of those things. Yeshua was not interested in numbers. That's not how he operated. The first thing he says to the crowds in John 6.26 is this, I assure you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life. But that would upset people, we think. And yes, we usually do get upset when we are confronted with the reality of our natural fleshly selves. We usually get upset. Our first inclination is to strike back and defend who we are. But Yeshua knows what the people need. He is more interested in what they need rather than what they want. He doesn't care about what the people want. He's interested in what they need. That is love. That is love. No matter how firm He sounds. Yeshua wants genuine conversion, not just people who want to show up, eat the loaves, and stay for a little while. Not just people who want to call Him Lord, Lord. He wants genuine, real conversion from the heart and from the mind. See, we all have our wants, but our wants are not important. Our wants often get in the way of spiritual progress Our wants, if we focus on them enough, will eventually deceive us into thinking that Yahweh is supposed to cater to what we want. We begin thinking that we deserve to be pandered to by the Creator nonetheless. Our needs are what we must have in order to live. And I'm not talking about natural needs when I use the word needs right now. I'm talking about spiritual needs because Yeshua in John 6 is talking about spiritual needs. He fed them in the natural. He's telling them they need their spiritual needs met. So that's what he's talking about. That's what I want to talk about. Our needs are what we need to sustain us spiritually. Spiritual food, spiritual drink, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a seeking and a finding of treasure that a thief cannot steal. Far too often we focus only on the treasures that we store up here on the earth. Mobs can break in and corrupt. Thieves can break through and steal. But he says instead, lay up your treasures where? In heaven, where no thief can break in and steal and no moth can break through and corrupt what you're laying up in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeshua knows what the people need spiritually. And it's what all of us here today need spiritually. We like these crowds. We like to labor for food that perishes. Now, aren't we supposed to work 
and eat, Brother Matthew? Well, of course we are. The Bible is complete with instructions about working hard, providing for ourselves and our families, and enjoying the fruits of our labor. But there does come a point where we are so in tune with those things that we neglect that which is of greater importance. And that's what Yeshua means here when He says, don't labor for the food that perishes. You're getting your priorities out of order. You're focusing on something that does not last. You're toiling for natural food. You're making that your primary goal. You're here to see me, not because of the miracles, but because you are filled with the barley and the fish. That's why you're here to see me. And it should not be this way. You're seeking me. But it's for the wrong reason. Do you know that this is what the prosperity movement has done to people in our day? People have actually been duped into believing that Yahweh is a butler. And that we can just pull a string and He has to come, as we say to our beck and call. I like to say He's not Yahweh the butler. He's Yahweh the king. He's Yahweh the king. He's to be approached as a king, not as a butler. We don't pull strings. We don't make deals with Yahweh. We think if we pull a string, He'll give us anything we want. And you know what? Preachers quote verses out of context. They're one-verse Charlies. They don't know the Bible, and they should spend less time preaching and more time studying the Bible. I can't make them do that, neither can you. Only the Spirit of Yahweh can get control of a man's heart and make him do that. But people need to get out of the pulpit if they're not interested in interpreting the Bible contextually and feeding the sheep with the spiritual food of Scripture. They need to leave the pulpit. Yahweh didn't send them. They ran, but He did not send them, the Scripture says. This is the modern-day prosperity movement. This is what you see on TV for the most part today that people think is Christianity. The world thinks that's Christianity. They poke fun of that when they see that. I have news for them. I poke fun of that when I see that. That's more comedic than the comedy channel to me. Yahweh pokes fun of those men like that. In the Scriptures, you can read about it all through the prophets. Elijah poked fun at them when they tried to call out to their God, to their Mighty One from morning until noon. That's not how Yahweh operates. Verses are quoted out of context to teach such garbage. Preachers are pandering to the wants of people rather than to their spiritual needs. Preachers are doing the opposite of what Yeshua does here in John chapter 6. Yeshua does not pander to the people's wants. He actually rebukes them for their wants. They crossed a whole sea, miles of a sea, to come and find Yeshua and sought for Him. And when they found Him, He rebuked them. That was the first words out of His mouth. I assure you, you didn't show up to see Me because of the signs. You're after more of the loaves and the fish. I fed you in the natural. That's why you're seeking Me, and it's for the wrong reason. You can try to seek Christ and it be all for the wrong reason. We do not serve Yahweh to get stuff. Does Yahweh materially bless those who serve Him? Sure. Sure He does. But blessings can be snatched away just as quick as they are bestowed. And Yahweh says in the book of Malachi chapter 2, verse 2, that He can even curse a person in their blessings. And Yeshua tells us in Matthew chapter 5, not to get the big head, because the same rain that rains on a righteous man's house rains on an unrighteous man's house. 
and the same sun that causes the days to get longer and the heat and everything and everything in the earth to grow, the same sun that rises on the righteous man's house rises on the unrighteous man's house. That's Yahweh that does that. Those are blessings. So just because you receive blessings, don't think that you're automatically in the will of Yahweh. It doesn't mean that. The richest ball player in the world could argue that he's the most blessed in the world. It doesn't mean that he is the most blessed in the world. Amen? Doesn't mean that at all. Doesn't mean that at all. We need the spiritual needs met in our life. We need Yahweh and His Word to take control of our hearts and our minds, and thus our actions by the way that we live. So Yahweh does bless. But if you start thinking that Yahweh owes you something, or you're in some kind of partnership with Him, that is complete and utter false doctrine. That's false doctrine from the pits of hell, not from the gates or the throne of heaven. The natural blessings are added. Catch this. The natural blessings, according to Scripture, are added properly to people that seek first the kingdom of Yahweh. Matthew 6, verse 33. That word first means primary. Primary. Seek it primary. That's the main goal. You seek that main goal. That's where your main focus needs to be. You seek first the kingdom and then everything else, food, shelter, clothing, all these other things will be added unto you. When? When you're seeking the other things? No, when you're seeking the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. It's not the material things that we seek. It's the kingdom that we seek after. And then Yahweh provides our natural needs. Our natural needs in that case. Stop focusing on the food that perishes, Yeshua says. And start focusing on the food that endures for eternal life, for everlasting life. The food that the Son will give you because the Father has set His seal of approval on Him. John 6, 27. When they looked at Yeshua, He has a stamp on Him that says, Yahweh certified. I came from Yahweh. When you hear me speak, it's not my words. It's the Father that speaketh through me. I'm Yahweh certified. The Father has set His stamp of approval on me. So seek the food that lasts for eternal life. You've got it backwards, crowds. So they say in verse 28 of John 6, what do we need to do? What can we do to perform the works of the Almighty? You know, there are many works for us to do in Yahweh's Word. In a nutshell, there's ten basic commandments in a nutshell. And all of the other commandments can be categorized up under those ten. They teach us how to love Yahweh and love our neighbor. And in the reality of things, we know that there's only two commandments. Love Yahweh. You can fit a bunch of commandments under that. And love your neighbor. You can fit a bunch of commandments under that. If we love Yahweh, we'll keep the commandments that apply from us to Him vertically. If we love our neighbor, we'll keep the commandments that apply from us to our neighbor horizontally. Right? But, Yeshua doesn't answer with any of this. When they say, what do we need to do to perform the works of the Almighty? He doesn't start naming commandments. He doesn't answer with any of that, and that's because that is not where life begins. Life doesn't begin with telling you to keep the commandments. It doesn't. Are the commandments to be kept? Yes. Are the commandments to guide our daily activity? Absolutely. But Yeshua doesn't answer the question of the crowd when they say, what do we need to do to perform the works of the Almighty? He doesn't answer the crowd by starting to name the commandments. Yeshua responds in this way, in John chapter 6, verse 29. 
He says, this is the work of the Almighty. That you believe in the one that He has sent. Basically, He's saying, you want to do Yahweh's work? You want to know what you need to do to work the works of Yahweh? Here's the work. Believe in me, the one that Yahweh sent. That's where it all begins. That's where it all starts. That needed to be the focus then, and it needs to be the focus now. In John chapter 15, later on in this gospel, Yeshua talking to his disciples, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And my father, he's the husbandman, he's the pruner, he's the gardener. Every branch that abides in the vine brings forth fruit. Branches do not produce fruit by themselves. They produce fruit because they are thriving from the vine. And that's what Yeshua is getting at in John chapter 15. As a matter of fact, in John 15 verse 4, He says this, Just as a branch, catch this, is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in Me. So we're branches here today. Any fruit that we produce is only, only because we're connected and attached to the vine. The vine is Yeshua. And when we produce fruit, the Father, Yahweh, He comes along and He prunes and He cuts and it hurts. But He's teaching us. My son, my daughter, despise not the chastening of Yahweh. Don't grow weary of His correction for whom Yahweh loves. He disciplines. And He chastises the son and the daughter that He delights in. It proves that you're His child. And you're not fatherless when Yahweh disciplines you. That's His pruning. We may not understand, but that's His pruning. Brother TJ taught in the first few verses of the book of James, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience and let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. That's Bible, brothers and sisters. That's Scripture. That's Scripture. Abide in the vine. It doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory. You don't come to Yeshua to have all your problems fixed. You come to Yeshua because you need your sins forgiven. You need your sins wiped clean. You need to be made whiter than snow. Your sins are like crimson, but you come to Him so you can be made whiter than snow. That's why you come to Christ. Not for loaves, not for barley, not to get things, not to try to make Yahweh be your butler, but because you need your sins forgiven, you need spiritual heart surgery inside of you so that you can live for Him. That's why you come to Him. Abide in the vine. Abide in the vine. You're just a branch. You can't do it on your own. You've got to abide in the vine. You've got to abide in the vine. That's why He says, you want to do the works? Here's the work. Believe in the One that Yahweh has sent. That's the work. That's where it all starts. That's where it all begins. You're looking for bread. John 6.32, Yeshua says, I am the bread of life. You're searching for more loaves. You're looking at the bread. I'm, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. My Father gives you the real bread. The true bread. Verse 32, of heaven. And no one who comes to Me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in Me will ever be thirsty again. John 6, verse 35. Brothers and sisters, that's the only thing that will satisfy. That is it. That's the only thing that will satisfy. Because that's the only thing that will last. Nothing else will last. Everything else on this planet will wax old, and it's because it's all corruptible. 
It's all corruptible. I'm not even talking about going to hell or Gehenna now. I'm just talking about everything's going to wax old because it's corruptible. My flesh is corruptible. I get hurt. I bleed. I'm corruptible flesh. From dust we were taken and to dust we shall return. Brother Randy was telling me the other day at work about his aunt need. Sister Rhonda shared a little bit about her. She is a sweet, sweet elderly woman. I got to meet her one time. She is over 100 years old. And I cannot even imagine. I'm coming up on my 35th birthday. I cannot even imagine what it feels like to be 100 plus. I cannot even begin to imagine that. She has seen a lot. Most people today don't make it to 100. Randy was sharing with me that she's been in the hospital. She has some broken bones just from being old. And the doctors can't operate on them because they're too brittle. They're too brittle to operate on. That's not just Aunt Need, though. That's all of our bodies. That's all of our bodies. We go around today and we walk around and we think that we're going to be this way forever, I think, sometimes. Aunt Need at one time was just as vibrant as little seven-year-old David. She probably ran around a church after church and played with her little friends just like David did. Just as vibrant. But now, she's old. And that's all of us. We're all corruptible. Brothers and sisters, your life is just a vapor compared to eternity. It's only a small smidgen. And we have the ability, by the grace of Yahweh, to live forever in mortality. Why do we spend so much stinking time and effort on things that perish? I know, I know, listen, I'm a husband and I'm a dad and I have to do those things. Yahweh's called me to those things. Yahweh's called me to be a dad, called me to be a husband. I believe called me to be a teacher of the Scriptures, called me to be a friend to people. Those are things I have to do in life. I have to have clothes to wear. I have to have a vehicle to drive. I have to have a job to pay my bills. Those are all things that I can do for the glory of Yahweh. But let me remind you, all of those things will not last. My granddaddy is nearing the end of his life. His daddy's dead and gone. His daddy's daddy's been dead and gone. They lived just like me at one time. And they worked and they had a wife and they had children. But all of that now is over with for them. All of that's over with. And it doesn't mean anything when compared to the food that lasts for eternal life. And Yeshua is saying, look, you're so interested in the loaves that I fed you and you need to be interested in the vine in me. I'm the bread. You're looking for bread. You're looking at the bread right here. Yahweh the Father sent the real bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. I had a man get in touch with me this week. He just got out of the hospital. And I felt terrible, to be honest with you, when he called me that I haven't called him before now. But he just got out of the hospital and he said, Brother Matthew, can you come by and see me? He said, I got out of the hospital and I don't know how much longer I have to live. I don't know the fellow real good, but I know him. 
And he called him. He wants me to come by and, and see him. And the reason is because the reality of the vapor of life has hit him now. It's a reality. It's a reality. And he knows that the food that he's been working for is perishing. And he told me, he said, you know, he said, I know we all have to die. He said, but it's really hit me hard the past month since I've been told the news by the physicians. He's thinking about eternity. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Oh, I love everybody in here. I love to hug you guys. I like to be hugged because it makes me feel loved. I love to see you smile. I like to cry when you cry. I like to rejoice when something good happens in your life. I love you. And that means that I have to tell you what you need. And let me tell you something. I'm not up here hammering everybody else. It's I'm preaching just as much to me. I'm preaching just as much to me. I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's all I am. I like what Sister Danae said. I'm just a normal person. I'm just a normal person. That's me too, Danae. That's me too. Matthew's just a normal human being. I'm nobody special. Nobody special. We have to keep our minds focused on what we need. And what we need is Yeshua the Messiah. The one that Yahweh has sent. That's the work of Yahweh that you need to do. That's where it all starts. Believe in the one that He sent. In Luke chapter 9, verse 35, Yahweh's voice boomed from the heavens. And, and you cannot get a better witness than Father Yahweh. He's the best witness you could ever bring to the stand. Yahweh's voice boomed from the heavens on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And he told Peter, James, and John, they heard that voice that day when they were in the mount. And Yahweh said about Yeshua, he said, that's my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. That's my son. Let me tell you something. Yahweh is not playing mind games with you when he said, that's my son. He's not playing mind games with you. And if Yeshua was here today and He asked you, who do you say that I am? If you answered exactly like the Apostle Peter and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, He would applaud you just like He applauded Peter that day. And He'd say, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Dorothy, Ron, Matthew, TJ, Morgan. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is where? In heaven. Not standing in front of you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is the work of Yahweh. Listen to me. I beg of you to believe on the one that He has sent. That's the work of Yahweh. The voice came from heaven. That's my Son, the Chosen One. Listen to Him. My stamp of approval is on Him. That's eternal life. And when we come to Yeshua, all the stuff that we see now, all the wants that we have now, we begin to realize that they will be gone one day. They do not endure. They do not last. So do not try to come to Him for the fishes and the loaves. He is not the pastor of a modern-day, seeker-friendly church. He's not the pastor. He doesn't write books about your best life now. 
He doesn't write books called How to Make Every Day a Friday. He's not in that business. He's not in that business. He knows what you need. And what you need is to believe in the one that Yahweh has sent. John 6, verse 29. So when you come to Him for the right reason, you know how you can know you come to Him for the right reason? You come to Him because you're a sinner in need of forgiveness. That's why you come to Him, because you know that you are a wretch that needs amazing grace to save your soul from hell. That's why you come to Christ, because you're a wretch. If you come to Him that way, you know you're coming to Him for the right reason. That's why Yahweh sent Him, Matthew one twenty one, to save His people from their sins. That's why Yahweh sent Him, to save you from your sins. So you come to Him with a repentant heart. You come to Him in contrition. You come to Him meek and humble. You come to Him because you need to be saved from your sins. You come to Him and you truly believe in Him. It's not just lip service, but it's something that you feel in your heart because you know you've got to be connected to the vine. So you come to Him and you trust Him. He's the bread of heaven. He is the one that Yahweh has sent. He is the Passover Lamb of Yahweh. He is the Lamb. Read the book of Revelation. He is the Lamb of Yahweh. When I take my last breath here on the earth, whenever that is, and no matter what you believe about eschatology, your end time could be tonight or 50 years from now. My end time could be tonight, Sister Dorothy. Before Yeshua comes back, I don't know. It doesn't matter what you believe about eschatology in that regard. Because my last day, or last days, could be this message. It could be. It could be. We say, oh no, Brother Matthew, you would be keeping Passover next week. You'll be there. By Yahweh's grace, Yahweh's will, James says, I'll be there. By Yahweh's will. But it could be my last message ever preached. Could be. Could be. When I breathe my last breath, I want to breathe it knowing John six twenty nine was true in my life. That the work that I was concerned with was believing in the one that Yahweh sent. That was the work that I was concerned with. I want to be trusting in Yahweh's salvation and not in Matthew. So I close today with John 6, verse 40, where Yeshua says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That's talking about being raised up to that glorified body incorruptible. Sister Dorothy, incorruptible. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. The former things have passed away. And I will raise him up on the last day. If you're interested in performing a work of Yahweh, this is the work for you to believe in the one that He has sent. Labor for the true bread from heaven that lasts forever. Think about it, brothers and sisters. Let's stand and have a word of prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, I love You, I thank You, and I praise You for who You are. You're great and greatly to be praised. Father, thank You for the Scriptures. Thank You for moving upon men like Brother Yohanan, Brother John, that wrote his Gospel, that shared with us um, about the ministry of Your Son. Father, I'm thankful that we can glean from it. And I pray, Father Yahweh, I know that the message that I preach means nothing apart from the supernatural work of Your Spirit upon the heart. And so, Father, I pray that You would move upon hearts tonight and minds. 
to receive the message of the Bible. That is my prayer. Yahweh, bring us all back here for the memorial supper of, of, your, of your son, the blood that he shed, the body that was broken for us. Bring us back here to do that, to wash one another's feet in humility, to keep the Passover, and to, uh, to celebrate and remember the deliverance from Egypt of our ancestors many, many years ago. I love you, Yahweh, and I thank you for your son. It's through him I pray. Amen.